Welcome back to the Cape Fear Rundown. From WHQR Public Media, I'm your host, Camille Mojica. Early voting has started! Stick around for a PSA and some helpful info to arm you with everything you need to know about voting in this year's primary elections. Then, Nikolai joins us to talk passenger rail. Stick around! voting started this past Thursday, and you're hearing this episode over the weekend. Maybe you already voted, but if you haven't yet, here's some helpful info. First things first, voter ID is needed this election. We'll have a link in the show notes to our elections page that has everything you need to know in detail, including acceptable forms of ID. But a key thing to know is that if you don't have an ID, your local board of elections can make one for you. Speaking of boards of elections, you can always give your local chapter a call if you have any questions about how to vote. Currently, there's three ways to vote. Absentee by mail voting is the first way. Any registered voter can request an absentee ballot by mail. No special circumstance is needed to vote by absentee ballot. Absentee ballots may be requested until 5 p.m. on February 27, 2024. Voters who plan to vote absentee by mail can submit their requests in a variety of different ways, whether it's in person or through the mail, but the requests must be received by your local board of elections by the deadline. Then you have early voting. Early voting, which was formerly known as one-stop voting, is currently happening until Saturday, March 2nd. Early voting allows voters to cast a ballot in person prior to election day at any voting location versus voting at their designated polling place on election day. It allows for more flexibility and typically has shorter lines than election day polling places. To use same-day registration, a person must complete a voter registration application and show an election official proof of a residential address in the county. This proof of address may consist of a current and valid photo ID or a document showing the name and current address of the applicant, like a bill of some kind or a rent agreement. Curbside voting will also be available at all early voting sites for anyone unable to enter the voting location due to age, physical disability, and physical barriers encountered at the voting place. And then finally, you have Election Day, which is Tuesday, March 5th. Voters who have not taken part in absentee or early voting will need to visit their assigned polling place that is specific to their voting precinct. We'll have a link up on our website about where you can find that information. And remember, Voting is the backbone of democracy in our beautiful country. Exercise your right to vote and head out to those polls. I'll see you online. I like trains. So does Nikolai. Here he is. Welcome back to the Keep Your Rundown. I'm here with Nikolai Mather. Hello, Nikolai. What's up, Cammie? Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Trains. (laughs) That is what's up today is trains. They're up, down, around, and they're in my head. So I wanted to talk about them. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about trains today on the Cape Fear Rundown. Why are we talking about trains exactly? Well, many reasons. Um, basically, the the impetus for me talking about trains today is... Was a song. You were listening to a song that made you want to talk about trains. Was I? Didn't you say that you listened to something that gave you inspiration to talk about trains? I don't think I did, but I would say my top train albums would be <laughs> Bjork's debut. Um, I would say the other one would probably be Led Zeppelin Four, and then the third one would have to be what would it be? What would it be? Midori Takada's Into the Looking Glass, an understated masterpiece of ambient music. 
you heard it here, folks. The top <laughs> three albums for Trains. But listen, listen. The reason why we're talking about Trains is because I keep getting emails about a series of rail symposiums that have been held in Duplin and Pender counties that you know, are basically attempts by the North Carolina Department of Transportation, local politicians, and train enthusiasts, such as myself. (laughs) Like, it's basically a way for them to get together and discuss the plans for a passenger rail in eastern North Carolina. Um, Basically, they've been going to every county that would be included on this proposed rail to sort of drum up support for it. And Dublin County is a little bit outside of our coverage area. Typically, we like to stick to like the immediate Cape Fear counties like Pender, Brunswick, Columbus. But honestly, I'm so excited about this rail line that I might go out there. I might go out there. It's it's happening on the 20th. And I might go out there just to talk about some trains with some other um, scholars of train stuff. I don't know. Scholars of trainology. Scholars of trainology. (laughs) So that's why we're bringing it up today. Okay, so let's talk about the plans for this passenger rail. What is the history behind this? So to understand the history behind the current proposed plans, you have to understand the history of trains in Wilmington in general. Because Wilmington actually used to be kind of like the center in North Carolina for train usage. Um, Our first line was established in 1840, and it ran between Weldon, which is like a little town just north of Rocky Mount on the border with Virginia, and Wilmington. And eventually, Wilmington developed its very own train station called the Wilmington Union Station, which opened in 1913. And that's actually, if that sounds familiar, it's because it is on, it was on the site where Cape Fear Community College currently sits. That's why that building's called the Union Station building. That's why it's called Union Station. Okay. Or, sorry, I backed away from the mic. That's why it's called Union Station. And it was just such a huge hit. Like, we had the Atlantic Coastline (laughs) come here and set up their headquarters in Wilmington. And that was one of the biggest, like, rail operators in, like, the southern United States, southeastern United States of the day. Um, And eventually the station served Atlantic Coastline and Seaboard Airline Railroad. That was, like, a competing rail company. But eventually it was just all ACL all the way down. Um, And it just ruled. Like, it was so cool. (laughs) Wilmington had connections, like to Rocky Mount, to Fayetteville, to New Bern, like even to like, even to Chadburn, which is like way, tiny little community way out on the border uh, by South Carolina. Like all these tiny little towns, Wilson had connections to the train. And it was also one of the largest employers in Wilmington. I think when it closed, it had just over 1600 employees. Um, Whoa. Yeah, it was a really big driver of economic success in Wilmington. So, but it did close. Okay. Well, I was just about to say, we don't have a train. <laughs> we don't have a passenger rail now. I know. Even though we do have train tracks, mm-hmm. why did it close? The short answer is like corporate machinations. You know, Atlantic Coastline, they really wanted to join in with this one line in Florida, which was called the Florida East Coast Railway. Mm. Um, and that company was in Florida, which meant they were looking at it and they're like, maybe we should move to Florida. Maybe we should put our headquarters there instead of Wilmington. But they also just didn't really like Wilmington because it seemed a little bit too far out of the way from the main line that they had running throughout the southeastern United States. Oh. Yeah. And unfortunately, they did end up moving to Jacksonville, Florida in 1956. And Wilmington hated it. Like, they were mad? They were so mad. Actually, like when the company announced that they would be moving, it was December 15th, 1955. And allegedly, residents called it Black Thursday. 
and they told like the Wilmington Star News that it was quote a worse disaster than Hurricane Hazel. Like they were really, really they were really upset. Yeah. And I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, it was a huge driver of economic growth in the city. At the time, I-40 still hadn't made its way down to Wilmington, so really when the train station left, there was no, there was nothing really connecting it to the outside world, and Wilmington just sort of dwindled from there. So that was like more of the short answer, you know, like the company left Wilmington and trains just ultimately stopped going to the station in 1968, and then in 1970 it was demolished and CFCC was put up there. But the longer answer is also because after World War II, Auto companies and city planners like Robert Moses were really pushing their ideas about highways hard. There was like a huge shift towards building highways in the 50s and towards a broader car-driven culture, so to speak, in the United States. Um, so trains just, there wasn't a lot of federal money allocated towards them after that, and they just kind of fell out of use, um, which was really hard for rural places especially here in North Carolina, you know, like if they didn't really have these connections via the train, then how would they get commerce? How would they get, you know, different companies coming mm. through? How would they get tourists mm. if you're a coastal town? So, yeah, it was pretty tough. You'd need a highway. You would need a highway. And even though there was a lot of money going towards building highways in North Carolina, like it didn't really it didn't really come through until like the 80s and 90s. Mm. So for a really long time, this area was economically depressed and we're still trying to keep up with, you know, being outpaced in such huge ways by the Triangle and other more well-connected places. And I mean, the highway still isn't necessarily good enough, you know? Like if you don't have a car in this town, you can't go anywhere. That's, if, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I actually, one of the other impetuses I can't say impetuses. That's crazy. Impetize. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other reasons I bring up trains is, as you know, Camille, I totaled my car back in November. Yes. And that made it very hard to, number one, do my job because I have to drive all over creation to cover these rural areas. But it also just made it hard to, like, go back for Thanksgiving to visit my family. I had to either, like, carpool with one of my friends who was going back to the Triangle or I would have to take the Greyhound bus, which, listen, I love the Greyhound, but it takes four hours to get to Raleigh. And then my mom has to drive to Raleigh to pick me up, which is like another hour to the trip. And it's just so, why can't we have a train? Like, why can't we have a train? I don't know. Ask Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Japan has a lot of trains. Okay, so we don't have a train. Well, we did have a train. Then it closed and went away. Now we don't have a train. What's happening now? So the silver lining to this whole really sad story is the people of the Cape Fear have never, ever, ever given up on trains. I mean, like, why do you think we're having all these symposiums? <laughs> people love their trains here. Like, they just want to... They just want a train. They just want a train. Like, the fact that they're willing to get together all these government employees, all these, like, local enthusiasts to drum up support and to try and figure out how we can make this corridor work in eastern North Carolina. Like, it just really goes to show how important they were to people and mm. how much they want them now. Um, and, you know, it turns out they might not have to hope that hard because, and Kelly Knoyer reported on this as well, last summer the federal government granted $500,000 to come up with a plan to make a new Raleigh to Wilmington line. Um Ooh. I know. Yeah. The proposed line, it's 134 miles. It would make the trip from Wilmington to Raleigh in about three hours. So a little longer than it would be if you're on a car. But 
I say that's still amazing. But I mean, more the, people can be in a train at one time. Exactly. Less cars, also scenery. Also I'm, working. Like you can have your little, because on Amtrak, they give you free coffee. So you can have your little coffee. You can work on your laptop. I, that, I rode the train from Charlotte to Raleigh um, or sometimes Charlotte to Burlington when I was in college because my family lives not too far from Burlington and I went to school in Charlotte. Mm. And typing essays on the train, oh, there's An something about feeling. working and writing, specifically writing on a train. It's so wonderful. Like people say that the American road trip is like the people say that the road trip is the most American thing you can do, which like I agree with that to some extent. Like I love road trips. I love cars. Yes. But riding the train through like, I don't know, the autumnal North Carolina forests in October. Is the know? most European American thing you can do. No, it's the most redneck thing you could do. Like oh. it's so fun. You stop, like if the train breaks down, you stop in a little town, you go to the corner store, you do some scratch offs, like <laughs> you talk to your neighbor, you know, you start <laughs> you don't get it. You exchange corn pudding recipes. That happened to me on a train. Like I listen, I can't convey to you like how important <laughs> trains are to North Carolina. I mean, when this federal funding was coming around, North Carolina submitted 12 different applications for 12 different corridors in the state. That's more than any state that applied for train funding. North Carolina was like, me, me, I have to have it. North Carolina loves trains. I mean, like even the (laughs) Charlotte to Raleigh line, they see they have seen like a 30 percent increase in ridership in just the past couple years alone. Whereas like almost every other industry has slumped because of COVID, because of inflation, all this stuff. More and more people have been riding the train. We need trains. North Carolina loves trains. <laughs> I'm just thinking exchanging corn corn pudding. Was that what it was? Yeah. Corn, corn pudding <laughs> recipes on the train. I think you and I have fundamentally ridden different trains. <laughs> Like, because thing. New York subways and also the Amtrak and Acela trains in the Northeast, that ain't happening. No. You just want to go see your Boston Celtics game, and that's it. But and that, not talk to anyone. That's the thing. People want to people pretend like the train has – people want to pretend like the train is a European thing. It's a thing for, you know – People in urban places. It's a thing for Yankees, but it's fundamentally what we make it. And if we do make it, if we do like go through with this proposal and wait the seven to 12 years it takes to construct this line, then I really think that Eastern North Carolina is going to see a huge economic boon, you know? And I, I realize that some people listening to this might be like, oh, why would we want more tourists here? Or like, why would we want to get this, this, and that? Like, we don't want people in this area. And I understand that. But at the same time, I mean, like, if I had to choose between college kids who don't have a car coming down to enjoy the beach, elderly people who can't really drive anymore coming down to enjoy the beach, and, like, people who are wealthy enough to get, like, chauffeured all the way down to the beach, I'm sorry, I'm going to go with the nice old people. Like, not to get political, but, like... (laughs) I mean, I would also say that in terms of commuting, because I'm thinking in New York... You have people from New Jersey and Connecticut that come and commute via train into New York City. And that's like a two, three hour train ride one way Mm -hmm. to go to work. But people do it. They do it because there's a train. Mm -hmm. You don't have to drive that that amount of time. So I can imagine that there's 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 got to be someone that either lives in Raleigh and works in Wilmington or vice versa that makes a commute. And I think you would rather be on a train 
than driving than driving those two hours in the morning. I think that you would rather be sitting looking at the birds flying by you. It's funny you say that because some of the strongest proponents privately and publicly have been politicians, state politicians who live in the Wilmington area, but have to commute to Raleigh for legislative business. Because all they want to do See? is this sit is on I'm a train and work on legislation. Gaveling. Like, I am gaveling. This is what I'm saying. We need a train. We need a train. Like, and I'm, listen, we were just talking about this in the newsroom too, not to sound like somebody who's like, I went to Europe. But I did go to Europe, okay? And <laughs> so have I. It's so you have gone too. You understand how much better places are because of their public transportation. Absolutely. In Norway, you can take a bus to the beach and you can get can I say hammered? You can get hammered on the beach and then you can take the bus home and you don't have to worry about drunk driving accidents like we do here when we see young people going to Wrightsville beach bars. You know? Mm. If you want to go somewhere, you can get on the train and you work remote like we do. You can work on your silly little articles. You can exchange corn pudding recipes with people. <laughs> like, you can do all of this for a very low cost, you know? And sure, there's concerns about losing money from, like, parking. Sure, there's concerns about, like, losing revenue from, like, cars or whatever. Or, like, potentially, oh, if we shift too much money to the trains, then our highways will fall into disrepair. But these are all things that can be worked out because other countries other states, other southern states have figured this stuff out. You know, look at Georgia, look at Florida. We have the ability to get these trains and by God, please, can we get some? Like, yeah. Nikolai Mather on the show to talk about trains. Trains rule. Thank you for being on the show with me this week. Thanks, Cammy. Thank you so much for listening to the Cape Fear Rundown. Check out our show notes for relevant links and titles to the music we use this week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just general feedback, feel free to get in touch. You can shoot me an email at cmojica, that's M-O-J-I-C-A, at whqr.org, or you can find me on X at Cami Reports. I'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Camille Mojica, and I'll see you next week.